0: This is a big name, but we're going to have to practice this over and over until we get it right. If, if you mess up, it's okay. Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson. Now, please, those of you who are going to have children, can we get some normal names around this house with, with normal spelling? Cut out all the Ys and silent consonants. You don't have to have an E on the end of everything either. This is not one of the approved names here, Mephibosheth. Saul's grandson, he went down to meet the king. This is King David. Pay attention here. He had not taken care of his feet, trimmed his beard, mustache, its facial hair, or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day the king returned so Mephibosheth has exhibited signs of extreme and extended mourning these are signs of mourning there's other signs of mourning like covering yourself with ashes or putting on sackcloth this is another sign you cannot fake months of extended sorrow a day or two maybe But when self-care is lost, there's ample evidence that you're in mourning, even at depression. Here's verse 25. When he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, David is asking him, why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? This is an accusatory statement. It's a statement of judgment. And he said, my lord, the king, since I, your servant, am lame, I said, I'll have my donkey saddled and will ride on it so I can meet with the king. But Ziba, my servant, he, he convinced me otherwise. You stay here and I'll go for you. But he betrayed me. He slandered me to you, O oh king. But my lord, the king, you are like an angel of God. You're in the highest place that can be attained by any mortal man. So do whatever you please, here or to me. All of my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death from you, my Lord the King. But you gave your servant a place among those who sat at your table. So so what right do I have? to make any more appeals to the king. And David said, why say more? Changed my mind. I I got it now. I'm going to order you and Ziba to divide the fields. And Mephibosheth said to the king, let him take everything. Now that my lord the king has arrived home safely, all is well. He can have it all. I'll read this next verse and just keep it in your mind. You don't have to go to it. From Proverbs 18 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Amen. And today, if you'll indulge me, I might take a little bit longer route, but there is a shepherd inside of me before all the people, and I preach today divided fields. Amen. Now, wherever you're at, wherever you're watching or standing, sitting, I'm asking you just to close your eyes with me and let's ask the Lord to help us. We need to hear your word today, Lord. Strengthen the body of believers. Give us help today, wherever the people are today. And so many need to hear asking you lord today grant us your anointing that only comes from you anoint me to preach this word anoint the people to receive the word in jesus holy name and all the people said amen put your bibles down behind you and just clap your hands unto the lord as a offering to god and out of your mouth just tell him he's wonderful and you are a great god And you're a mighty God. You are the everlasting Father. You are the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. I thank you for standing and you may be seated. Whatever is vine for your attention, I cannot tell. But I do know that the things which... Seek our eyes and our ears are unrelenting. They, whoever or whatever they may be, that are vying for our attention, for the space in our brain, for the limit, limited time of our lives, those things. They are all contestants in the battlefield of, Of our mind. The question that will remain concerns the voice of God now and forever and all those who oppose Him, and there are many that oppose Him. Amen. I'm brought to the violent shifts in monarchs. Kings did not just give up their scepters willingly. Royals were often killed or imprisoned. They, at times, were shown off as emblems of defeat, whether by coup or by conqueror. Kingdoms did not just pass from one to another like the smooth transitions of power that's readily seen in the democratic republics of our day. No, they were filled with bloodshed and violence. The stories of conquered nations have told as much. What we know as the Middle East, Europe, and much of Africa have all seen these violent movements. The horrific scenes and stories are often buried, only to be uncovered years past or years from their making the bible itself describes many of them also kings conquered they were treated very poorly shamefully severed fingers and toes when god rejected king saul david was still a young warrior a musician King Saul retained the throne, but the prophet Samuel was no longer with him. He had no spiritual covering, no spiritual guidance. It was an authority in decay. Saul was a dead man walking. Israel was a spiritual nation led by a carnal king. And it was only a matter of time before David assumed the role of his anointing. Which tells me that the moment of your anointing can be a far distance away from your appointment. Think with me now. Pay attention now. Saul's ending was a bitter end. His tenure had boasted of victories and gain, but the corruption he left behind was a dark cloud hovering. God was still with his people, even though the king was corrupted. But in that final moment, when news of Saul's death was announced, here's your Bible. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a, he had a son who was lame. He was five years old when the tidings of, of Saul and Jonathan came out of Jezreel. He, they, they were dead. His nurse took him up and fled. It came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son, Saul's grandson. The family was wiped out that day in that final battle. Saul's sons died and in sorrow The king fell on his own sword. The arrows of the Philistines had found their mark. Are you here? And on Mount Gilboa, King Saul took his last breath. In a very mournful state, David will finally find his place as Israel's second king. It will take a moment to unite the nation. Saul has holdovers and loyalists, and they're hard to convince. But David's kind and often non-confrontational approach proved a worthy investment. His desire for the return of the Ark of the Covenant sealed his authority before both men and God. But walking those empty hallways of Jerusalem's palace only gave him time to remember the simple days when he and Jonathan enjoyed campfires without the burden of tomorrow, no responsibility among them. And David, being sorrowful, having loved his covenant friend Jonathan, wanted to do something, anything for his deceased friend. They were brothers. They preferred one another. And while Jonathan never wrote one psalm, if you read them, you will know how often he steadied the hand which did. David said, is there not one person that I can show kindness to? Which came from the house of Saul or from my covenant friend Jonathan. Is there not one left among them? And David was then told of Mephibosheth. Crippled. Lame. From five years old unto now. A young man with no future. Never a warrior to be. Never a man of means. The royal robes of his lineage are burned to ash. His claim to the palace was a dangerous profession. Who would even tell that he was related? He would not. His grandfather grandfather had brought the kingdom to ruins. Samuel the prophet had denounced Saul. God had rejected all of them, cut them off. Mephibosheth suffered in silence until the day that David found him and brought him in and gave him kindness. And on that day, Mephibosheth thought, when he came before David, that he might be killed. But David said, I loved your father. And because of your father, I'm giving you the property that once belonged to your grandfather. And you, Mephibosheth, will eat at my table as a royal prince that you are. It's a recovery like none other. The most undeserving of them all, the blessings of a faithful father upon sons and daughters, most of which probably will never know where their blessings actually came from. But Mephibosheth was grateful. He was indebted in ways that few could comprehend. It it was more than just a rags to riches story. It was the restoration of a life with purpose. He meant something now. He had a cause to live. David gave him what he could not earn and would have never had without the favor. So much grace spilling over like the mighty Cascadian Victoria Falls. David's family is going to splinter in time. Sons and daughters will one day play out the result of his neglect to both them and God's law. In the end, if you skip ahead in the Bible, you'll find out that Absalom will usurp David and steal the hearts of people. David's own son will cause a division and David will leave Jerusalem rather than fight his own son. It is a time of rebellion, debauchery and shame. Look at the history of your Bible. The first family of Israel with all of its tall tales of sinful activities will cause a ripple in the lineage, disgrace, and a reproach. But rebellion, ladies and gentlemen, will not last forever. That was God's domain. And neither Absalom nor any other adversary, whether in or out of the family, would ever stop Jerusalem from being God's city. The plan of the omniscient God was never going to be thwarted by unfaithful people. Just so you know, God is going to have a people. He is going to have a bride. He will have a church. Don't think that his kingdom is contingent upon us. Someone needs to be part of that kingdom and we need to hear this. If you don't want to be part of the kingdom, that's up to you. But make no mistake, no one has enough talent or money or resources or intelligence or authority to make them irreplaceable. God can raise up rocks for something to praise him. If you don't want to be a giver, he can put fish in the, in the, in the gold in the fish's mouth. He can bring dry bones to life just to supply a fully equipped army. No, no, we are privileged to be a part of the house of God and privileged to be a part of the kingdom. He's going to have a church with or without us. Oh yes, he is. Don't ever think that you are irreplaceable. Don't think that your life matters and so much that no one can live without you. God's gonna have, you should say, thank you, Lord, for letting me be a part of this kingdom and a part of the movement and the very end of time. Because rebellion is not gonna last forever. The unfaithful may seem forceful, But no one is big enough to stand before God or before his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Who do they think they are? Absalom had his day. They all get their day. But it's always just a day or a season or a time. And in the end, David is coming back home. Jerusalem was called the city of David for a reason. His was the seat of spiritual leadership anointed by God. The worship leader was certain to come back for a time of praise and worship, and he did. And the day he came back, order was restored. Sad as it was, Absalom died by means of his own arrogance. He was caught by his outward appearance. He died where he hung, and David cried at the news. But upon re-entry, David wondered where Mephibosheth had been all that time. David had been hiding with a host of loyal followers, but Mephibosheth was nowhere to be found. Where was the man to whom he had given so much unmerited favor, compassion, and love? Where was he? In our text, David asked the question, where were you, Mephibosheth? Even though David is looking at the obvious display of a man caught in mourning, the unkept hair, The filthy clothes, the unwashed body, the reference to the feet of Mephibosheth. It has a double meaning. Washing of the feet was like the washing of our hands. The roads were so horrible. It demanded that you wash your feet. It was basic hygiene. But it also spoke of Mephibosheth, his injured feet. Because he could not care for his feet. He needed to care for them. Where were you, Mephibosheth? David should have seen something why did you come to me? And Mephibosheth said, I wanted to come to you, O king. My condition hindered me and I, 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 I talked to Zeba, my servant. He was, he convinced me to stay here. He would go as, as my representative of loyalty. He was supposed to tell you that I was loyal to you, but I see that he has lied. Zeba lied. Ziba told David, I don't know why he didn't come. He stayed there. He's with your rebellious son, Absalom. And Mephibosheth says, oh, king, I have nothing apart from you. Do whatever you want. You're like an angel of God. Give it all to him if you want. I just want to be your servant forever. I don't deserve anything. It's so plain. We can all see it. There's no doubt that Zeba has lied the intentions of this man are spelled out, the scoundrel that he was. He would have stolen the land, the inheritance from Mephibosheth. He lied. He intentionally lied. He bold-faced lied. My sister calls those people lying liars that lie. Just so there's no ambiguous message given. It's a lying liar that lies. Have you ever met a lying liar that lies? A lying liar that lies, a thief, Mephibosheth, could not make it to the desert lands. But he mourned the whole time that David was gone. Food no longer tasted good. His appearance was all forsaken. Ziba had lied. Self-care was gone from his feet. The pain and suffering of his feet did not matter. All for naught without the king. And when David saw him, it was evident that Mephibosheth was telling the truth. David should have known better that moment. And I'm amazed at David's response. He heard the lives of Zeba, but when he was confronted with the truth, watch this now, when the truth finally came out, what was David's response? David said, well, okay, I I can say, I I can see it. I'll tell you what, just divide up the fields, you get some of the fields, and we'll give the other part to Zeba. But David should have rebuked Zeba. He should have cast a swift justice against the thief, but here it is. Ready? Once you hear something and it gets in your system. You just can't help but believe what you hear, even if it's a lie. Even if it's untrue and we come to find the truth out later, still, the lie has already distorted our judgment. You know it's wrong, you know it's off, but once that word is planted in your mind, it's hard to get it out of your response. The Talmud regards this as a failure on David's part. Those Hebrew men have written that because of this division, because of these divided fields, God would later punish David by splitting his lands during the days of his grandson, Rehoboam. I'll let you decide. But The question of misjudgment stands clear. What I hear is the location of the place I live. Whether for death or life whether for good or evil. If by courage and boldness or by angst and unrest, it comes by the word that I heard. David could see it, but the lie had already been planted and it had a long time to germinate. By now, he was convinced that Mephibosheth was a traitor because Ziba said so. No evidence, just the word that was planted in David's heart. What David heard was hard to undo like the tangling of a fishing net. The maze with a thousand doors, the fruit of that seed could be found in David's approach. Why didn't you come with me, Mephibosheth? But upon review and at the mere sight of an unkempt man, David will relent. One version says that David replied, say no more, my son. I'm assured of your good faith. But divide the fields anyway, because I heard a word and it's still in my heart. Because what you hear is hard to get out of your system. What you hear directs your life. What you hear afflicts your mind or it sets you free. That's why Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 10. So that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You don't have any faith unless you hear it. That's why when we, want, when, we, when we want to know what God wants us to do, not only do we hear the word, but we hear a testimony about what happened to other people. Many people have been, had had faith to be healed because they heard the testimony of someone else that was healed. Many people, maybe most people, were led by the word of a testimony. They were delivered because they heard someone else. They went through that and they were delivered and said, so, no, I believe it because I heard it. It's right Paul he said it faith comes by hearing and and so does doubt doubt comes by hearing also It all comes by the word given, death and life, by what I say, and then it stains or restores the one who hears my word of death or life. When you hear truth, it takes root. It's a seed planted that bears fruit, but so does fear and doubt and lies and deception. Those are also seeds, the manipulation of a storyline, a half-truth, certain details left out, and then suddenly we are all set off course. And you might eventually find out that what you heard was not right, but once it's in your system, it corrupts your path. And I wonder how many people have replied in error, in mistake and a fallacy. How many people have just replied, we'll just, we'll just divide the fields. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. When in fact, someone was wrong and someone was right, but you divided the fields to compromise and it ruined your life. Dividing the fields is a compromise of the of the tainted mind because you heard something and caused you to divide up to divide up the matter. We don't just repeat what we hear, our daily walk is affected, and it affects everyone around us by what we hear. Even the disciples, when they were pressed to give an answer to the religious council, here's what they said We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Because we all speak the things which we have seen and heard. We repeat what we hear and then we make a judgment on it and then we live in it whether for right or wrong we are there living in what we have heard. So I rise to tell you protect what you hear. You must know the conditions of this last day. There will be self-appointed teachers and prophets. They will be giving logical and pseudo-spiritual answers that are really carnal directions, they will come with enticing words. They will lead you away from the exclusivity of the apostolic doctrine. Jesus said it like this, then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here's the Christ, or there's the Christ, don't believe them, for there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and they'll show you great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. The people of God would be deceived. Did you catch that line? Did you get it? Truth, ladies and gentlemen, is greater than a sign. Truth is more precious than a miracle. Truth is higher than a dream or a vision or anything that anyone can tell you. Truth. And if our eyes are the windows to our soul, I submit that our ears are the pathway to our heart. Pay attention to what you allow yourself to hear. Because you can be polluted and it's hard to negotiate with those lies. In the end, most people are simply compromise by dividing the truth. Yes. Those fields need to stay intact. It's difficult to unhear doubt. It's difficult to unhear doubt or an innuendo or something that sounds like doubt. It's hard to undo what's lodged in your heart. Listen to me everyone. In every congregation, in every part of America, and in every, in every church there is a prayer group. They may not always be organized, but they're there. I found them in every denomination, a prayer group. I hope that we're organized, but every church has a prayer group. And every church also has a working group. Those are people who serve and work and volunteer. They do whatever it takes without any expectation of reward or recognition. Religious beliefs of all kinds, they all have workers. And every church has worshipers. That's a group who praise God. They sing, they rejoice in good times and bad times. That's a praising group, a worshiping group. They exemplify and they practice the scripture openly. And it's also been said that every church has a group of doubters, gossipers, and complainers. And they attend the church just to tear it down. They come to criticize. Every church has a group like this. So which is your group? Which table do you sit at? Which part do you play? I'll help you find out which group you're with. Just pay attention to what you hear because whatever you're hearing, that's your group. If you're in a group that talks about praise and worship, you're in the praise group. You're on the praise team. If you're in a group that talks about giving and faith, you're in the giving and faith group. If you're in a group that criticizes, you're in the gossiping group. Because whatever you hear, that's where you live. If you're in a group of faith and everybody around you is talking about how great God is and where we're going, that means you're in the group of vision. That means all the people around you are visionaries. If you're in a group that's always talking about what they wore and what they're doing and that thing that you heard, then you're in the gossiping group. You're in the criticizing group. You're in the memory murmuring group. You're in the complaining group. You're in the group that tears down. Find out what you're hearing. That's your group. we got a lot of small groups. we got tons of small groups. We got groups everywhere. We got coffee groups. We got news junkie groups. We got sermon junkie groups. We got people of vaccinated groups and unvaccinated groups and I had COVID groups and we got a whole group of Omicron groups. We got all kinds of stuff. And I pastored asked me how, how many people attend your church. He actually said, how many bodies do you get in the church? He's like, how many bodies, you know? And I said, well, if you count the antibodies, <laughs> we got <have> thousands. <laughs> I myself have like 10, 15 antibodies already. <laughs> i tell you, I, I got to find out what I'm listening to. Wait, wait, look, wait, wait, wait. Because whatever I heard, it's directing my thoughts and whatever I've been listening to is directing my path and, and my path is now, is now either right on or it's distorted. It's either in the right way or it's, it's headed in the wrong way. And if it's headed the wrong way, I'll find out because I'll divide things that never should be divided. That's right. Go to your Bible, look at it. Goliath had no ability to defeat the army of Israel. No, he did not. Not his stature, not his height. Not the weight of his spear or his shield. It had no bearing on the outcome. Those are the people of the most high God. But when Goliath said in 1 Samuel 17... I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When he said that, those words lodged in the heart of the army of Israel. Not not one spear was thrown, not one arrow cast, not one sword raised, but the words of Goliath caused fear. Here's the next line. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Nothing done, just some words they heard. Now they're all huddling around their campfire. Look at your Bible. Gideon was outnumbered by the most improbable odds, 300 against thousands, tens of thousands. But a man had a dream, and they told a friend, and then it spread like wildfire throughout all the area. The man dreamed. Here's what his dream was. He said, I saw a round loaf of barley bread tumbling into the Midian camp. It struck the The tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. And the friend said in Josh, in Judges 7 14, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon the son of Joash. The Israelite God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands and the enemy was already defeated. Not a sword raised. So when Gideon surrounded the enemy with 300 men, the Midianites were already prepared to die. They had defeat in their minds when they went to bed. They talked about the barley loaf tumbling, destroying them. And they repeated the idea that God had already given them into the hands of Gideon. A planted word led to the outcome. Look in your Bible. Joshua had not taken one step around Jericho. Joshua was not even near the city when Rahab, the harlot, gave this report to the two spies. She said, and I quote, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror has fallen upon us and that all of the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what he did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom he utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. There was no strength or courage in anybody because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. Do not tell me that what we hear does not set the stage for our lives. What you hear is the place you will be. Even the enemy anticipated the advancement of Joshua. And not one thing had been done. Jericho had only heard about the Red Sea. They were not there. They just heard what God had done. And it made their hearts melt. Go look in your Bible. I can go all day long. Elijah had just called fire down from heaven he had just killed 850 false prophets all by himself he he prophesied an abundance of a of a rain though they were standing in the middle of a multi-year drought with not one cloud in the sky but when it was all over here's your bible And Ahab, the king, told his wicked wife Jezebel all that Elijah the prophet had done and and how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent the word to Elijah and Jezebel sent the message. So let the gods do to me. And more also, if I don't make thy life as one of them, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. And Elijah did all that aforementioned things. But when he heard that Jezebel was going to kill him, he believed what he heard. And while it should not have shaken him, simply based on his own prophetic authority, he ran to a cave and he hid for fear. Because what we hear is the means by which we live. So I've come to this point just to give you some words. I got some words I want to plant in your heart. You are an overcomer. Don't let anybody else tell you differently. You are victorious. You've been down and you've been kicked down but you're not going to stay down forever. You're going to rise up and you're going to stand strong. And the devil is a liar and God is with you and you have a position in the kingdom. i got some words I want to plant in your hearing today. You are an apostolic, powerful man of God and you are an overcomer. Going to be a prayer warrior and a soul winner. Just stay standing. I don't know what you've been hearing lately, but I want to put my I want to put my word in your heart here today. No, no, you're going to be in order. Your life is about to get in order. The chaos is going to be settled. And you're going to walk into your life and you're going to say, by the authority of the Spirit of God, peace be still. when the doubter says you can't, you put your Bible in your hands and say, I can do all things through Christ. He's strengthened in me. And I got some words for your heart today. You're going to rise up and you're going to be strong in the Lord and you're going to do exploits for God. I have a few words for you, young people. You're going to be a powerful, apostolic, praying, fasting, giving church. I have some words for you, all of my senior life people. Your work is not done. If you can't move very much, you get to your couch chair, living room, you get on, you get to your table, you open up your word, you open the Bible, you put your hand in the Bible and you say all the promises of God are yea and amen. You start pleading the blood over every name that you can remember. Don't you become an intercessory prayer group right in your table, right in your living room? You can do it. You can do it. I have a word for you. As you obey in giving, God is going to replenish you with more than what you gave. Here's the word. I know what the enemy is saying. Here's the word. God is never indebted to any purpose, any man or any person. God carries no debt on his books. And as you obey, he's going to supply. God's going to supply. <laughs> oh, I feel powerful in the Holy Ghost right now. I got some words for you. I want to put it in your hearing. He Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. the Lord will provide the Lord is on his throne he is the God of your life I got this shepherd thing coming in me I rebuke the enemy out of your life he has no authority over your life I rebuke that enemy out of your life every thought, every device, every thing every doubt, every depression We are going to divide up no land. We're going to give nothing to the devil. This whole area is ours. This city is ours. Your neighbors are ours. Your family is ours. We're not giving up anything. We're not giving up anything. We're not giving up anything. I just want you to know, I don't remember all the things that people say to me i i love I would love to remember the compliments or the encouragement but but it's the doubting word that sticks in my brain. Oh, I wish it wouldn't you know a thousand good things can be done, and then that's that one you know that one voice, that peon, that ignorant person say it ain't so that ignorant voice clogged my brain when I first walked into town and I looked over and said, we're going to have that property. Oh, I doubt that it'll ever happen. I said, we're going to have that house behind us. Yeah, I doubt that. All the churches that had had this, all the churches that occupied this building, they all wanted that, that house and they couldn't get it. You'll never get that. Oh, that just made me mad. Now, why did I remember that? Why did I remember that? That could have infected my life. But I walked away from that person and I whispered under my. I, I hope I whispered. <laughs> you, that is a lie. I am not receiving that. I'm not going to let that plant inside my heart. Somebody. Somebody told, somebody told us a year in, this church has never had enough money to buy extra property. We bought the house that they said we could not buy, Sister Carla. We bought that house for cash. We didn't even know how could that ever happen. I'm gonna tell you, I cannot listen to the word of the naysayer or the negative. That's a, that's a divisive thing. You can't? What are you talking about? This is the kingdom. And then the next word came because when the when the doubting voice and the corrupting seed couldn't get to us by the means of our action, then they then they cast a a, a disparaging word on the action. Well, you're just doing that out of pride. Well, you just got that because you're full of pride. Well, you know, you're just trying to build a castle on the corner. Yeah, it's just all about you. Oh, that's a lie. That's a, that's a complete lie. That's a lie of the devil. This is the kingdom. We've been praying over this. This is fasting. People getting the Holy Ghost. We gotta have more room. we cut off the platform. That's not true. That's a lie. What are you talking about? You ain't letting, you getting mad in my heart. I'm not gonna be letting, I gotta get around a group that's saying we can go. We can take it. We're gonna take the whole thing. We're not gonna divide off anything. I gotta get me a group. I'm almost done. Are you ready? My ears, say it. My ears are a direct line to my faith. My ears are a direct line to my faith. And I can be saved if I train my ears to hear the word of truth. And if I can just distinguish who's talking in my ears and what I'm listening to, If they've got my eternal soul in heart and mind, then that's the voice I want to listen to. But if you want to come to me with doubt and disparaging words and things that are going to tear me down, I got no time for you. I only got time for those who say we can take the city. We can take the place. We can have victory. Come on. You're coming out. You're not going to stay bound forever. Those chains are going to break off of you. You're coming out. Commitment is in your future. Revival is in the church. I got some words for you. There's a miracle in your hands. The gifts of healing are in you. This is what's coming through my My spirit right now is the Holy Ghost. The Lord wants to use you in the nine... Gives the supernatural gifts, the gift of faith, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of miracles. He wants to use you, but you've had self doubt because you you you've been you've been hard on yourself, and you're afraid. Don't be afraid. God wants to give that to everybody. Paul said you should ask freely for all of it, and God wants to do all of it. It doesn't even have to operate right here. It can operate in your school, and your work, and your job, at your home, and your neighbors on your front lawn. The church ought not be afraid of the Spirit. You're going to look at your wayward, prodigal children. And you're going to think, I don't know if there's any way they can get back to God. Banish that thought. That is a divided... And then some of you are going to compromise and say, well, if they'll just come to church once a month. Don't, don't do that. What are you talking about? You just divided that land. That field don't need to be divided. You say you're going to be a committed, apostolic, on fire, lover of souls, kingdom minded. You're going to jump in all the way. I want to tell you that the devil is a liar. Let God be true, and every man a liar. Let the Lord rise up, rise up. He's got the whole thing for us. I'm 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 done. Just want to end right here, and then we're going to rejoice. Are you ready? The field of revival belongs to us. I'm not giving up any part of revival. I want this whole county and I want all the surrounding counties in the name of Jesus for the kingdom. That field belongs to us. The field of of financial blessing belongs to us. Because it's not for our benefit, it's for the benefit of the kingdom. Brother Morgan spoke a word over us and said he believes we can come into a building debt free. Come on now don't that that's a word planted I'm really out here I- I'm telling you I know I'm stepping out but I just I feel like I'm flowing the spirit whatever your sacrificial offering was ask the Lord to help you double that and do it again God can put that in your hand. What are you talking about? Do you think that the Lord can't do that again for you? He can do that and 10 times over. I might as well just say it. I want to put the seed in your heart. It's a possibility. Because I know the first time when I first said that, somebody thought, I don't know if I can do it. Yes, you can. That's a lie of the devil. You can, that can happen to you. Yes, that can happen to you. The field of witnessing, of bold apostolic authority, that field belongs to us. That means wherever you go, you're walking in the spirit and the devils have to stand aside and hungry people that don't know the Lord are going to be presented before you and you're going to have the spirit of boldness because that field of boldness belongs to us and you're going to open up your mouth and you're going to say to somebody this week I know a Jesus that can help you Don't don't talk about the church just say I know the Lord can help you I want to pray with you I want to bind together with you and I'm going to tell you the Lord can solve that problem right now field belongs to me the waters of baptism are going to start flowing every day that field belongs to us did I lose Bill Van Vector did he did he step out he stepped out but the Lord healed him of cancer. Bill, where are you at Bill? Raise your hand Bill. Come up here, come up here, run up here. Listen, the Lord can heal you in multiple ways. The Lord can use a doctor to help you be healed, it's okay. We're still gonna rejoice cause it's still of God. Come over, stand up. Where's Amy at? Amy, I thought I saw you somewhere. Where's Amy at? How's it going, Amy? Pretty good. Still holding on. And God's giving strength. She gave me a great report this week. I went to Walmart to do some shopping. and got nothing done because I saw all the saints of God. Walked out with a bunch of stuff I didn't need. Couldn't figure out, just kept putting stuff in my cart five hundred dollars later. I don't even know what I was there for. I wasn't I think I had to get sugar. But the report came and another prison report came and I just started rejoicing. Healing is ours. That field belongs to us. Deliverance belongs to us. Revival belongs to us. Holy Ghost belongs to us. We've got it. I'm speaking the word. Somebody say it's mine Say it's mine It's mine It's mine All the promises are mine Everything God promises mine That land belongs to me That job belongs to me That healing belongs to me Restoration belongs to me Deliverance belongs to me A saved house belongs to me Joy is mine The Holy Ghost is mine Okay. I don't think anyone is like this. But just in case there's a group. Keep your dirty tongue off of this house. I don't think anyone's like that. You keep your tongue off of everything we're doing for the kingdom. And if you need to... You get in that prayer room and you put yourself on your, on the floor and you beg God to forgive you because what you're doing is dividing your family away from commitment. And if you need any help today when you get at the table, just wait for about five minutes to find out what the people at your table are talking about. And if they start talking poor mouth, I shouldn't say it, but potty mouth. (laughs) You get up, and you leave your chicken and noodles or whatever kind of, and you go find another table, and you openly declare, I don't belong here. I just find a table with faith and love and encouragement and help.